too many brewers are listening to the beer geeks, when instead they should be listening to themselves and to their hearts. So says even the Bates, the co-founder of Brussels' venerable Brasserie de la Seine. The brewery, which he co-founded with Bernard LeBouc in 2003, has just moved into a brand new site, complete with a spacious taproom for patrons to enjoy their excellent beers. And although the brewing scene in Brussels has evolved a great deal in those 17 years, the Bates' views on the beers his brewery makes has remained constant. We prefer to try and open the consumers' minds, making the beers we like and try and convince them of those qualities too, he says. When we started out, had we followed the local market, we'd only be making triples. Too many young brewers make beer without ever thinking what they want and instead what others want. That can be a mistake. According to the Bates, if that's your approach, then you'll start running and you'll never finish running. It can be good to settle down, he says. The best breweries are those with a vision and take on the challenge to change consumer opinions. Your personality should be in each beer you make. In this podcast, recorded at the 2019 Brewers Congress, Ivan the Bates discusses the importance of staying true to yourself, focusing on the process and his love of bitterness in beer. Thank you for being here. Uh, it's a very nice audience. I'm very happy also to be mainly among brewers, so we don't have to be diplomatic or any stupid thing like, like that, which is very cool. Uh, I'm quite embarrassed because actually, uh, after having listened to my speech, if you don't leave before, you will believe that I was sitting the whole day on the corner and that I took bits and pieces of what the other guy said before me <laughs> because I will repeat things that have been already said a lot uh, today. Um, I wish I was the first one to speak. You would have another image of me, but it's, a, it's okay like that. But actually, it's actually a very positive thing. Uh, it shows, once again, that we uh, craft brewers are sharing a lot of things together, and so I take it as a very positive thing. My topic um, today is about um, self-confidence in brewing, and especially um, try to do in your life something to, to escape the tyranny of some people, namely the beer geeks. When I will talk about the beer geeks uh, today, I will not only talk about them. Uh, I'm totally aware that if you take a human group, it's, it's of course very complex. So I will not put all the beer geeks in the same category. I will say they are nice beer geeks, I'm sure. Um, and uh, to be honest with you, I've been one of them back in the days when I, when I was a teenager. So I know what it is to be a beer geek. I will mainly be talking about the extreme beer geeks, as, as, as I would say. Uh, so as you all know, uh, beer is trendy, especially craft beer today, which is fantastic. Uh, we are all living a fantastic era. Uh, we will have a lot of things to, to tell to our grandchildren uh, someday. We were there at this uh, moment of the history of beer in school. But there are some threats, I think, on the, the craft beer market. There are a few of them I will not talk about, mainly the fact that we have a lot of fake brewers on the market, and my doctor told me that I could not talk about that subject because I would have a heart attack someday, so I will <laughs> respect that. Uh, you know that the market is quite saturated uh, those days. There are too many beers on the shelves, and that's another reason for hating the fake brewers, but whatever, I stop here. But also, as I mentioned, and a lot of you mentioned, uh, some brewers are quite desperate because they feel a huge pressure from a very small, tiny part of the population 
in uh, making new beer all the times. Anders said a new beer every week. That was a few years ago. I think that now they want a new beer every day, or maybe each sip uh, should be a new beer. Uh, I don't know where it will end up at, at some point. I, I, I have no idea. Let's uh, give an example. Probably that some of you, probably a lot of you, make uh, NIPAs, New England IPAs. I personally have met a lot and a lot of colleagues making NIPAs, but so far I never met anyone who was proud to make those beers and even who drank those beers himself. So maybe I will change my mind talking with you later today, but it's really one of those new beers that are like dominating a certain segment of the market and that a lot of brewers have been really obviously pushed to do without really wanting to. And so I think that the real brewers should take the poor back. And it's not only about the big gigs, but some marketing departments, if you are big enough to have one, can be as annoying, um, I think, unfortunately. A brewer, an American brewer, a friend of mine from a quite large American brewery, told me that last year the shelf life of a brand in his brewery was less than one year. Can you imagine that? So each year, new brands have to come uh, on the market. It's crazy for the production guys. They, they really all go nuts because of that. It's extremely difficult. Just making a production planning is, has, has become a nightmare. Even for the marketing uh, the direction, it's, uh, it's super complicated as well. So I think that we should go back, uh, hopefully, to something more normal, uh, where indeed the brewer is the leader of what is put on the market. All, all the, the titles of my presentation will be very affirmative. Once again, it's my opinion. I'm not telling the truth, not at all. I'm telling my truth, and you do what you want with it, um, of course. Uh, so don't get me wrong. I'm not teaching anyone how we should um, lead this business. I think that the first thing that is uh, important, and actually it is the most important, when, especially when you start a brewery, but even when you have one since years or even decades, is to have a dream and a vision. The very best, best brewers, in my opinion, are the ones who know what kind of beer they prefer the most and who will spend all their life to try to make those beers the, on the best possible way, actually. But if you don't start with a vision that is coming from your experience, from chatting with people, especially old brewers, you have no idea how much you can learn from old brewers. It's, it's, it's incredible. It, it, it depends on your family, your, the, the path your life took, etc. But you should know what you want to drink and then make it. It's, it's as simple as that, but of course we all know that it's not simple at all. And something that is very important, I think, is to be selfish. I really like that, that picture uh, because if you know who is in front of me there, uh, it's Dan Carey from New Glarus Spring Company in Wisconsin, US. And actually, this guy knows way more than me about beer and brewing. But like on a scale of 100, he's probably at 80, 85, and I'm at 15 or something, you know? But I look very like I will teach you something. We are probably, uh, and, and it was not the case because it's basically impossible. I was probably talking about the old machines we had the chance to work with. We were in a 1907 German brewery uh, bring together. It was a fantastic experience, end of parenthesis. But you have to be selfish because, uh, yeah, you brew for yourself and, in my opinion, your, your beer should represent your values in a liquid form. It, it's very, very important. And first, you have to know yourself. So it's, it's all um, 
a journey you have, you have to take to know who, who you are and what, what are your values. The values I like are authenticity, which is something extremely important. Everybody is talking about authenticity all the time, but sometimes some people should take a dictionary, in my opinion, when they talk about that. Uh, integrity, uh, ecology, which is very trendy now, but it's a, it's a very beautiful value, I think. Respect, respect is for yourself first, but also for your consumers. We'll talk about that uh, later. Now let's talk a little bit about the geeks. Uh, I really love that cover of the New Yorker magazine of 2014. They always have wonderful covers, but I think this one is really great for our industry. And it shows two things, actually. It can be interpreted two ways, a very positive way and also something quite, quite negative. The positive way, and we have to be to give some recognition uh, to the, the beer geeks, even the extreme ones for, for that, is that beer is now something uh, that has consideration, as much consideration as wine in many instances. And it was time, because we have, been, we have lived in centuries and centuries with main, most of the people considering that beer was just a simple commodity for the simple people, for the lower classes, while wine would be something very sophisticated for the upper classes. You as brewers, you know that once you have the grapes, and I admit it's very hard to grow the grapes, but once you have the grapes, it's very easy to make a wine compared to a beer, right? I think we all agree with that. So that trend gave a new justice, if I may say, to, to, to the beer. It helped people like me, I have to say, because I always say I'm, I'm 49 now, but I always say that when I was 20, the people who would have been drinking my beers at the time would have been people of 50 plus, 50 to 65 probably. Now that I'm almost 50, the people who are drinking my beers are the young generations. It's the people from 18 to 45 and, and, and plus. And this is thanks to the new generation. And I think that we have to praise them uh, for being more intelligent than the people of my generation and, and the older when it comes about taste and flavor. Those guys mainly search authenticity. They, 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 they like something that is, that, that is real, that is authentic, that has value behind it. And this is something very, very important. About the extreme geeks uh, I was talking about, and I will not uh, be too long because everything was said almost. As you know, those guys are never satisfied. And this is the, the, main, the main problem. They want something new all the time. Uh, they also like extreme things. The crazier, the better for, for them. And the, the things they like the most is something that will create the buzz. And I think bring for getting a buzz is the worst thing that a brewer can do. And as it was mentioned also, they have zero loyalty. So if you organize your life around those kind of guy, you will sooner or later be totally disappointed because they will leave you on the back uh, someday. Because the problem with things that are trendy is that by definition they are trendy for a short period of time and then they come out of fashion. And so it's very dangerous to only focus about those new trends and as uh, Andrew said, uh, Mark as well, uh, finding the new trendy things. It's a never ending um, run and, and you can really lose your, your health and your mind in, in it, I, I, I think. The good thing is that the beer geeks, the extreme beer geeks are not a lot of people. It's just a few people. The problem is that they have a very strong presence because they spend their day on, on social media. So we brewers 
tend to believe that they are everywhere and that they dominate the market and that if we don't please them, we will go bankrupt directly. No, not at all. It's not the case. And we should praise the, well, the ones I call the beer lovers instead of the geeks. Uh, it's the normal drinkers who really love beer as their daily beverage, which is for me the most important thing. Those guys, when they drink a glass of beer, they socialize and they smile. We, we spend our entire days to try to make a product that will put a smile on the people's face. Have you ever seen a beer geek smiling? Me, 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 me never, never. They, 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 are, they are alone in front of a screen, whatever the screen, they tick, they take some notes, they, they drink very quickly to, to have the next thing, and then, then that, 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 that's it. It's, I think it's very sad. Well, <laughs> all right. So uh, we should rather, I think, focus on balance and constancy in our beer. I think it's the duty of, of a brewer to try to find those uh, two elements. It's a challenge because you all know that it's the most difficult thing to get in, in, in a beer. Because for me, the, beer, uh, the, the goal in the beer is to have the highest possible drinkability. This is for me the definition of a good beer. It's very easy. It's, you, you, you get the first glass and then you finish it quite quickly and you call for the second. There is no other definition of a beer, but you can only get that if you have balance in your beer and drinkability. It is very, very important. I think that sipping beer is a mistake. I'm sorry it's not very politically correct what I say, but gulping beer is cool. <laughs> and it's not a bad word to say that beer should be drunk eventually or possibly in volume. I'm, I'm not saying that for having everybody uh, binge drinking or becoming an alcoholic, far from that, not at all, but it's a test. If you can gulp a beer, it's a very good sign. If you're obliged to sip it because it's too complicated, too, too uh, complex or too something, uh, or just bad, it's a, it's a very bad sign. Um, we, we, sh we should think about that. And for me, I find the balance, uh, I, I love hops and in the um, in the Brewers Journal, there is a small interview, and I'm talking about bitterness in beer. I love bitterness. I'm a total hop head, but I don't want my beers to, to be only hoppy and, and bitter beers. For me, the balance is to be found between the three main elements uh, in beer, hops, malt, and fermentation flavors. And I always try, always try to find my equilibrium between those three elements. <coughs> How to get there? Again, it's very personal. For me, we have to be more feminine. I think that we don't have to forget that it's the women who invented the beer. More than 13,500 years now, that is sure, archaeological evidence is probably older. But beer is and has always been a women's thing. And it's not for no reason. We should always, we males, keep that in our minds, I think. I think that, like, and I don't want to caricature women against males, etc., etc., but um, it's very important to use our senses all the time when, when we brew, when we taste the beer. Uh, using intuition is something I think very important also. When you are close to your senses and to your intuition, it puts you sometimes in another sort of state and I, I will look like a, a crazy hippie, I guess, but um, it's something that I use to getting close to my yeast. It's, it sounds totally crazy, but I try to 
feel what my yeast can feel sometimes, because I will talk about yeast later, but I think it's a very, very important thing that a brewer is close to his or her yeast. Very, very important. Also, we should praise more for subtlety in beer. And it comes to my next slide. Uh, I don't know the problem some people have, but honestly, uh, some, some guys, they want to know what is the maximum amount of hops they can throw in a beer? When I was a young brewer, 200 grams per hectolitre was already like, it was the average. 600 grams was like a lot. Now we come close to 6, 6.5, almost 7 kilograms of hops in one hectolitre of beer. But that, that's crazy nonsense. It gives a very, to my opinion, bad bitterness. Uh, the beer tastes like a fruit juice. Fruits are cool, but if you like mango, eat a mango at the end of the day, I mean. I, I, don't, I don't understand that. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> same, same for the fruit. So many grams of fruit will, will I be able to put in one liter of beer? It, it, it becomes a nonsense. If, if you make a beer, it should at first taste like a beer, I think. And if you add fruits, it's very cool, nothing against the, the fruits, but it should still remain a beer. Otherwise, yeah, buy a fruit juice or something. We have now um, on the market, even in Belgium, some Lambic, not brewers, but Lambic sellers, because they don't brew, they buy Lambic, and they throw a huge, huge amount of fruit in their beer. You cannot tell it's a Lambic. It's impossible. And so you are missing the beauty of, the, of one of the most beautiful and exciting beer that exists just because you throw too much fruit in it. I, I really don't get it. Of course, uh, don't try to, to be the most extravagant or extreme brewer. It will lead you nowhere, I, 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 I think, because at a certain point, the people will just stop drinking it. And so, again, don't brew for making a buzz. On the contrary, uh, whisper to your yeast. <laughs> uh, I will um, admit some, something I told to my yeast. Uh, only when I'm alone in the brewery, because if I do that in front, of, in front of my guys, they will make fun of me like for the rest of the week, and I don't want that. But um, consider that your yeast is the main character in, in, in your brewery. She's beautiful, she's nice, she's sometimes annoying, of, of, of course, but she does all the job, right? She's our employee of the month forever. She, she works day and night for, for us. She makes things that we are totally incapable of, of, of doing. So she deserves respect because she's a living being. Uh, you mentioned that in my language it's a she, I know in yours it's a it. I could not call my yeast a it. Uh, that, that's, imp that's impossible. And I think it's very important to, to, to learn to know her. And it takes time. It, it can possibly take uh, a lifetime for a brewer. This is why I always uh, struggle with, with breweries changing yeast all the time uh, when they change beer, because how will you get to know even one or two of your yeast if you change all the time? It's very cool to play with yeast. And, and we always talk about innovation, which I think is wrong most of the time. But uh, there is a lot of things to do with, with, with yeast. Uh, I totally agree with that. But you should choose a few of them because it's, it's too complex for one brain or one heart to, 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 to know like 30, 40 different, uh, different strains. You, you will never um, succeed there, 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 I think. And the good thing is that when you get close to your yeast, it forces you to be humble because she knows more than you. Uh, she does things that you are not able to do. And actually, in general, beer is bigger than you. 
than me, bigger than us, I think. Uh, I think that none of us, even the, the, the more scientific, scientific people among us, know exactly what, what happens in, in a fermenter or in a glass of, of beer. We, we spend our entire lives to try to understand bits and pieces of it. But so it's, it's, it's nice, it's, it's perfect. It's, it's what, what, what a nice trade we are in, what a nice job. We, we are students forever. We, we will learn every single day of our life. Uh, it, it's never, never boring. Sorry, Ivan, I'm afraid on students forever we're going to have shit. Uh, all right, that's okay, that's typically me. Um, sorry, I will go very quickly then. So, uh, I have a way to make my yeast happy, which is the duty of the brewer, I think. And uh, some others before me, Derek, um, told about that earlier. Uh, I designed my fermenters to be uh, wider than tall. This is an old one. Uh, we had in the new brewery, we have uh, the, the ratios are, are the same. Uh, I think that if you have the right ratio between wheat and eight, you get a better uh, ratio between higher alcohols and esters. In very tall, narrow fermenters, we have way too many, in my opinion, at least um, higher alcohols, too little esters. The, the shallower you go, the better ratio will be. And for me, it is this very ratio between al higher alcohols and esters that will give a balance um, in, in, in your beer. I would like to talk a little bit about cherishing traditional and local ingredients. Very important, we talked about that already today. I think that for the hops, uh, for instance, the traditional hops are really beautiful hops. Uh, they are a lot disregarded those days, but they really help bringing a balance in your beer. For some uh, varieties, they are also very useful when you make light beers because they contain very interesting polyphenols that will help you balance the bitterness and that will help you giving a nice body to your, to your uh, light or weak beer. I have nothing against the new varieties, but uh, if everybody in the planet is using only mosaic and citra, the world is just a, a boring standard. Um, this is a very Belgian quick. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I told you I'm famous for that. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the last thing I want to show you, don't throw processed crap in your beer, please. This is bad, this is packed with chemicals. This has been processed by most of the time a big industry who, who has no respect for, for, for the customers and for yourself. So don't try to, to, to make a buzz with putting all the possible shit in your beer, please. <laughs> I, I have to go fast or I will be vulgar, so, so, so sorry. Um, getting inspiration from the past is something very important, but a lot of people told about that uh, before me. Please uh, praise the local bring legacy what the traditional brewers in your region are doing is great. This is an open fermenter at, at Harvey's. Miles is one of my beer heroes. I think he makes some of the best beers in, in the world with very nice techniques. I, I always say, if your brewery could be moved anywhere else on the planet, so imagine you're in London, but you could move your brewery in Berlin, in New York, in Copenhagen, there is a mistake. You should always work uh, having a sense of a place, and that sense of a place you can find it in, in good local ingredients, but also digging into your local brewing culture. The, 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 the local brewers who are here since generations have so many things to bring to us. They know what is good for the palate of the local peoples. They have a lot of experience. If you want to be innovative, it's perfect, but 
take bits and pieces of what they did and, and what you can bring and make a new thing that will really, really be interesting, I think. Yeah, talk with your farmers. I think it's very important to be the closest possible to the producers of raw materials, but I guess you will all agree. Be close to your loyal customers. We talked about that. It's, they are the important guys because they will follow you on the long term and, and, and they will, um, but you have to, to, to understand, as uh, Anders said, why you are special, why you make this and not that, and, and what, what makes you a, a good brewer. And then I would finish by saying, believe in what I call beer Darwinism. That's a bit provocative, but honestly, it's not for no reason that a good pilsner became like the epitome of the beer. To try, try to keep that in mind, that it's not for no reason that it's in, in some culture, that kind of beer is the best, and in your culture, it's, it's that that smiles, um, actually. Uh, I think it's very, very important to keep that in mind. Trying to, to, to reinvent the wheel every day is very tiring and, and I think hopeless at, at, at some point. So that was quick. Uh, thank you very much for listening to me. The Brewer's Journal podcast is a production of Reby Media. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. Edited by Tim Sheehan. We're currently accepting entries into the 2020 Brewer's Choice Awards. Go to brewersjournal.info for full details.